You're listening to the Thread Wellbeing Podcast, connecting people from around the globe to share about living from their soul's purpose. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging from all First Nations around the world, from whom we learn so much. Today's inspiring conversation is with Joe Stefan from Stefan Independent Advisory. Today we have a special guest, Joe Stefan, who is the director of Stefan Independent Advisory. He is a financial planner who believes in holistic financial advice that's built on shared values and goals. He is also a passionate musician and the host of a podcast. It's never about money. Joe, thank you for joining us. It's always strange listening to Financial Planner and um, then having a podcast called It's Never About Money, right? Like it's, it's, it, I, I kind of like it, but it's kind of weird. It needs explanation. It does need explanation. And we can't wait to hear about that as well. My first question, I guess, is who is Joe in and out of the financial planning suit? That's a great question, um, firstly. Um, and I think the answer to that is that the in and out has merged a lot more um, over time. I think the in and out was hugely different when I first started. Um, and I say that because when I first started in financial planning as a young person, my given that I was working with a lot of retirees and people that maybe had money at the time that needed to make decisions at the time, younger people didn't tend to take. And I suppose in some, some, some cases these days, it's probably better, but young people tend to think, well, long, you know, I'll deal with my finances down the track. But so I was dealing with a lot of retirees at a very early age. So if you think about it, like a 26 or 27 year old working with, you know, 55 year olds and 60 year olds, and it's kind of like, you know, potentially those, the impression I had was, where the retirees looking at me going, what the hell would you know? You're pretty young. And so I compensated by being stuffy and in a box um, and feeling like that was my role to make sure that they felt that I was really super, super professional, super, super um, a certain way, um, super, super technical, um, talk about the dollars and the cents. And um, I felt kind of a bit suffocated by that whole, whole sort of scenario. I'm probably overstating it now, given I'm looking back at it, but I think that's how I felt. And, and I don't feel like I was being really honest with who, who I was. Um, and, you know, in some ways outside of work, like I was still trying to work out, you know, what it, what it is I am. And, um, but I did feel the disparity because, you know, when you're um, a guy that likes to, um, to, I suppose, um, have a joke here and there and, and, and socialize with people and, and talk about things outside of finance. And then you're stuck in an office where you feel that all you want to, all your, your charter is to speak about the dollars and the cents and to be very, very serious uh, at all time, because the dealing with people's money is a serious game. Um, then it becomes uh, problematic. So with time, I started to realize that the more human I was and the more, <laughs> the more of myself I was and the more of the out I brought in, the more engaging I was and the more clients uh, resonated with me. I felt the meetings went better. Um, they started to open up a little bit more about who they were. And that was fundamentally a massive switch and made my life as an advisor easier because 
really as a, an advisor, you need to be able to understand people really, really well. And they really need to open up to you because if they do, then you have a better capability of being able to give them financial advice that doesn't inhibit their life. So by me being more genuine and being more real, um, and it wasn't like I was trying to be disingenuous before I was just young and fearful, I suppose, but by being more genuine, I feel like now I have this, um, uh, capability of being able to engage with clients and get better outcomes as well. So it hasn't been the technical journey that has improved me in a financial planning in any way. It's been more the, um, you know, I suppose the humanity. That's such an important point that you raise as well as um, I've got a good girlfriend who's also a financial planner and the conversations that we've had around the customer relationship side of things like I work used to work in travel and tourism and be customer focused and you know oh, how can I help you today and we used to always talk about how the parallels are within that and you've just sort of highlighted that that you've got such a responsibility with the financial, but the underlying is how you connect with your people and how you really look after them moving forward. They've got these, um, these um, I'm just thinking, they've got these um, new robo advice, algorithm type advice where you punch in your details and then you get a financial plan. Now that is, you know, what I would consider you know, if you saw an advisor and they actually didn't kind of really have a great capability to read your body language, to really be able to ask you, why did you kind of stutter on that particular point? Can we talk about that a little bit more? It's those nuances that I feel like robo advice can never replace. It's my capability to read the room. It's my, my, my EQ, the awareness that I have around what's going on in myself and with the other that actually allows me to have better conversations around death planning, estate planning, you know, like an example of that. So where could a robo advice advisor really take over what I do at this point? I, you know, I will never say never, but at this point, they're not even close. So what I'm loving about what you're sharing is that for so long, you know, over the years, anyone that was in that business world or that accounting field, that financial planning field, was seen as that image of, um, you know, you come across as being really stiff, no personality, not you, that world yeah. comes across as being stiff, no personality, you know, dotting the I's and crossing those T's and, and having that format or that, that strict regime. Hmm. But I love with what you're sharing about you started to question like who you were and as you connected to you and your authenticity and mm. shared from a place mm. um, from within that others started to open up. And that's so crucial because that's where trust comes in. That's where someone then is able to share with you what their goals are, what their mm. dreams are, what their fears are. Mm. And as you were speaking, you know, I was listening to you thinking, I don't think I'd seen that before, but financial planners and particularly an independent financial planner, so not someone that's working for an association selling a number of products, um, which is good and has its purpose. Mm -hmm. But from what you've shared, you're more like a personal trainer slash coach in the finance world, assisting people achieve their money goals. A lot of what I love in financial planning is the engagement, the, the conversations with clients, the helping them deploy their capital. But 
firstly understanding, you know, really um, what is important to them, understanding the intricacies of their lives, because if you don't understand that, you can't really understand how to, um, you know, invest their capital, give them advice, not, you know, because a lot of the times, as we know, we make financial decisions first based upon performance, returns, those types of things, but we don't actually have any understanding of how those financial decisions can actually hold us back um, from doing other things that we wanted to in our lives. Like we might invest in something that completely locks us up to this particular program and then we're a slave to it for so many years. But one of our essential values in life is freedom or independence. And, you know, um, mm. and, and, you know, these commitments, these fixed, rigid, large commitments that, you know, maybe a mortgage that is significant. And I'm not saying that it isn't a good thing to go out and buy homes and things, but, um, we need to be a little bit considered and not just kind of impulsive in the decisions we make. And it's my role, um, to really hold back and actually listen to clients and really determine what is the underlying need. And then, you know, match the, match the advice to that. And mm. that's, I think that that, I think that's the differential between what I recognize as being a good advisor and one that is just kind of technically competent and probably impresses you with the, with the, with the strategies behind it, but really haven't listened. So you're a personal wow. trainer for finances. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And you know, yeah. when, when, it, when it comes to people's money, you know, like people, like people, um, you know, will because we're, we're sort of the gatekeeper and we spend so much time with these people and it's so important to them. We actually talk to them about a lot of things in their family life that is very, very personal. Mm. So, um, so, you know, and I think that's why I like what I do because I think coming out of school, I was like, eh, what am I going to do? I really don't know. And, um, I didn't know that I was going to like financial planning. In fact, I probably didn't cause I didn't have a good handle on what it was all about. Mm. I just thought it was about the dollars and the cents. And I'm like, yeah, cool. But that doesn't really excite me overly, mm. but, but it's, 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 it's the ability to achieve outcomes for clients to listen to them, understand their lives. And then again, just, just really help them, help them, um, you know, buy that, that home on, on the beach that they've always wanted to have without feeling like, um, you know, the stress and anxiety relating, relating to it or being able to retire at an early age if they wanted to, mm. or being able to tell them, look, really, if we do retire at an early age, you're going to compromise the legacy to the kids which priority do you want? Which one is more important to you? For me, what that highlights is that there's this real character of concern and of care and understanding the overall well-being. And often yeah. people separate well-being into just the emotional state or they separate just to the physical state. Mm -hmm. Whereas the whole of well-being when you look at the the triangle when you look at it as a whole circuit everything interrelates with with everything else so you know when our finances are strong we feel joyful we feel like we can achieve and then there's more growth when our finances are weak people fall into that fear zone and it feels like everything else is falling away so talk to us and our listeners about the mindset that is required for someone to change their finances, to change their situation? Does it come from working harder, 
working smarter, changing a thought pattern, changing um, their belief system? What do you think mm. someone needs to sort of get that circle in full practice? In my observation across the many years that I've dealt with people and wealth, regardless of where they are on the wealth spectrum, um, there's no there's no sort of correlation between higher wealth, higher happiness, firstly. That's that's 100%. I mean, I've like the best thing that I've, the most important thing that I've learned in my business is that the ones that are super successful um, and wealthy were super happy before they were successful and wealthy. They were working in a passion because they had passion for their business. Um, Yes, of course, they had the goals, you know, of course, they, they wanted to, you know, look after their family, all of those things, but they were fundamentally um, happy and driven and the, the money was, it sort of became a secondary consideration in a sense. And, you know, what happens when a client goes from, you know, maybe having a modest amount to having you know, maybe an extraordinary amount is that the, they have a difference in options, but it doesn't necessarily change their happiness. And in some cases I have seen and come across, um, you know, people with wealth that are as unhappy or if not are more unhappy with the wealth than they were when they didn't uh, have it. So, so that addresses the question of like, like if you want to, um, if you want to improve your finances because you want more options, then that's absolutely great. If you want to improve your finances because you'll feel better about yourself and that'll make you happier, then that's great. But don't look at it that as I get money, all of my problems or other issues will just go away and melt away. Um, that's just not going to, that's just not going to happen. And in, in, in some ways you're replacing one addiction with another. I've seen many a business owner that has been addicted to their business. Like we all want to be addicted to a business for the right reasons. And that is because we're passionate about it. And we actually um, love our like, clients and love our work every day. But there have been some cases where, and, and this happens even through a lifetime with a, with a business owner where a person will love their business for a period of time and then fall out of love and just focus on the money for a period of time and go, geez, what am I doing? I'm just focusing on like improving my financial goals and it's not fun anymore. And, and, you know, in my interviews with business owners, um, in, in my pod, like the amount of times I've heard, um, already at this point, it's very early for me in this, but you know, where they'd say something like, I started falling into the trap of just trying to get successful with finances. But then I had this kind of moment where I was like, I'm completely depressed and sad and, and I'm not, I'm not feeling any good here. So they'd go away and try to work out why they started the business to begin with, start to do a little bit more in a work and then come back with a bit of a breakthrough that, you know, they need to change a few things. So. You've just spoken on so many elements that I can, I can relate to as well. And a quote that comes to mind is, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Hmm. And it's, that's obviously can be debatable. As you're saying, if you're chasing that money in order to fill this happiness inside, it's, it's never going to happen. I remember there's um, a comedian, Tim Minchin, he wanted to get this house on the hill and he was like doing all of these gigs so that he could just 
get enough money to get that house on the hill that was like overlooking the ocean mm. and just going powering through the motions and you know going 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 and he got to the house on the hill and he was like and now what he'd missed all of what he needed to be present in mm. in order to get there mm. and yeah it's it's such an interesting concept i do it not for profit and mainly that's volunteer mm. so but I, that passion and that drive is there and but if there was a whole lot of money i don't know what what that balance would be it's like about win-wins like the way i see it now the more i see it i don't know it's it's definitely an experience thing with time ob observation but like i am constantly looking it's it's like this latest thing that i always say i'm looking for win-wins if i can somehow marry financial um growth and at the same time loving what i'm doing then why on earth wouldn't i do it when, when i talk about win-win the podcast that i'm doing is exactly one of those things it's it's a win-win-win-win in so many different angles um and um and and i don't tend to do anything now unless i'm seeing a number of my worlds colliding it's like the george costanza my worlds are colliding but in a really good way that highlights the awakening that's happening you know yes. i think george was ahead of his time yes <laughs> when yes. he when he spoke in that way and we were all on that you know roller coaster ride where we just were running from routine to routine and i and i think if anything and let's talk about this actually is what even what covid last year and and where we find ourselves now has highlighted for many it was forcing that balance to like let's look at my whole life mm. let's look at how i can still achieve my goals but have this balance so that those and and it's we interviewed a number of guests who shared this way and there were you know people that we know are in our own worlds that had become so fo focused on work or had been so focused at being at the office for long hours and away from their families or away from their activities, things that brought them joy. And they were feeling that burnout. They were feeling that, that dark depression that they didn't even notice was depression. And COVID highlighted for them the need to balance. And, and I think with what you're sharing, you're saying that. And I really like with what you have shared because something I've often shared with my own children is find what you love because when you find that you have all the motivation that you need to succeed mm. you know and you look at the school systems and often um those that succeed are driven by what they're learning and love what they're learning and are passionate about that and have a vision those that often are still a bit stuck on where they want to go don't feel the motivation because that fire hasn't happened for them yet. Yep. And then once they've got that motivation or an idea of what they want and what their driver is, mm -hmm. um, then things just start to fall into place. So what would you say some key drivers are for you or even for some of your own guests on your podcast or even your own clients? Like what do you think their main drivers are? Yeah, I completely resonate with what you're saying because like I was kind of lumped into financial planning. I really didn't know what I wanted to do coming out of school and sort of like I had to work out what my drivers were after the, after the you know, after the fact. It's like, you know, now I'm in this business. I'm not sure if I'm enjoying all aspects of this and I'm feeling stuffy. Like how do I create an environment where I'm actually enjoying it? So I had to actually 
because it's like a family business. So I didn't want to just go, no, this is not for me. Out, out I go. I wanted to try to work it out. Lucky I had a business and lucky I have like an amazing brother who like worked with me as well and just sort of said like, let's work it out so that we can actually create a business that we, we really, you know, like resonate with. And, you know, I'm all the, you know, like you could probably see, I'm kind of more of the communications type guy and James is like the tech guru. So, you know, like I probably overdid it before where it's like, you know, you know, with a financial planning business, there's no like, you can't get esoteric when it comes to like processes and systems and, you know, implementation. And so you have to have a great back end. For me, the drivers are, you can kind of tell that I really enjoy the beauty in winning and losing with my brother. So the amazing meaning that I get from the toil and the challenge and the, you know, working, trying to work out for years, how to grow a business and, you know, not knowing how to, you know, talk to clients about fees and not knowing it like, and just being green. And then, you know, going to James, like, you know, let's go and do a course on this. And I'm not really sure if it'll work out, but we'll spend, you know, so much money on doing it. Um, I know we can't afford it, but you know, and I know we're financial advisors and we're looking after people with a lot more money than us. And this feels harrowing. Um, so the early days were super, super, um, you know, difficult, um, in that respect. And, you know, to watch all of these amazing things happen from all the seeds we planted so long ago in our business and, um, the high fives, you know, like, you know, and you know, we literally will look at each other and is this kind of like after a great client meeting where, you know, they've been really happy with us. So yeah, this is the driver, right? So yes, it's financial side of it actually does give us a quantitative indication that we're doing well. And that's good. Like I'm excited by that. Like that's, you know, we have to, you know, business has to make profit. Like that's fine. We, and that's what we're trying to help our clients do right make profit in their own family family situations but you know I, I cast my mind to a client that like came to us and said look I really want to live in Port Melbourne not really sure if I can do it I really want to be beachside you know I've worked all my life I'm pretty you know pretty ready to you know just have walks on the beach and do all that sort of stuff and I'm kind of a bit stressed about it, I'm not really sure putting together a plan helping them to do that and then coming back to us and saying well you know um Joe James I'm so indebted to you guys. So amazing that we've been able to do this without the stress that I thought it would put us under. Um, you know, now we're actually able to enjoy ourselves. We're in COVID, we're in lockdown, but we've got the, you know, the ability, you know, to, to walk like we always dreamed on the beach and do all of those things, um, you know, is super, super like rewarding. I love hearing you talk about the family and yeah. your, your brother. And mm. I know that, this business started at a time where your dad was unwell. Dad was an academic. So in financial planning, he was also an accountant and he had a tax practice and he also had a few financial planning clients. So he was a workaholic, right? Um, and like the thing is with dad, um, the way that I see it is that he really, really loved what he did. He really got a sense of like, you know, meaning from his work. But on reflection as well, and I think that's conversations I had with him as well, was that, you know, maybe the balance wasn't as, you know, as 
like his his balance wasn't as great as he would have liked. Maybe, um, you know, maybe looking after himself a little bit more would have been something that he 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 would have valued in hindsight. And and you know things like I remember when Dad got sick and he had cancer. Um, you know, all of a sudden things like art therapy came in and he had like palliative care, um, people, beautiful people come out and help him with like music therapy and art therapy and so on. Now, um, that easel there with my, um, nephew's, um, painting, my nephew who's Julian, um, that easel was the easel that dad, um, was using to paint and dad was kind of very artistic. I saw it growing up, but, um, you know, like I'd, I'd usually take my, my bombers, you know, football cartoon. Can you make that into a cartoon character, dad, like the bomber? And he'd be like, yeah, he'd blow it up and he'd draw it. Right. So I saw, I saw, I saw a little bit of his creative flair at times, but it's so, it's so interesting that, you know, when he got ill, these things became more prominent and he went back to them, the gardening, going out in the garden, having the chickens, like his mum used to have went in back in Egypt, you know, like, all of these things that he would do afterwards. And I used to think to myself, well, hold on. Why wasn't this happening earlier? And the answer is an Egyptian migrant coming from a background where there is no money, thinking as a man, I'm going to make, you know, my family financially secure because I love them and working damn hard in a job that he found very meaningful and he got a lot of respect and credit from. So I get all of it. But it's just interesting that like he gave me the greatest gift by both what he would say to me, but also by observation of, you know, his life. Like a lot of the things that he did, he did amazingly. And some of the things that he did, I feel like I would like to tweak a little bit and incorporate a little bit more of that. And I think, geez, I think the modern world is a little bit more about wellness these days than it probably was in his generation as well. So incorporating a little bit more, of the wellness side of things, which is really doing the things that are innate to us. Really, there is this formula that's required to, to create happiness, not to create wealth, but to create happiness. And everything that you've spoken about with the way you work and with the way your father was working is that in the giving, in the giving and sharing of advice, in the giving and sharing and helping other people create their own wealth or achieve their own goals there's joy so there's so much about um when you serve there is joy in that and i think that we can often get stuck in what that serve sounds like it doesn't mm. have to just come um from doing something that is solely community-based or solely humanitarian mm. everyone has a different desire to do something and it's in the serving that bring that you are seeing someone achieve and finding joy that then you feel fulfilled. So mm. for your father in mm. creating this and being an amazing provider for his family, mm. that and all the sacrifices that he would have made. And, you know, mm. and it's really, and I love that you touched on him being an immigrant because there is, there's a, uh, there is a mentality that occurs with migrants, particularly of that that year, that era mm -hmm. when they came out, of how hard they had to work and that fear of coming from that state of poverty or war torn or correct, um, you know, and and just making sure that they could provide for their family. And I think we 
you know, we do need to take a moment to honour that generation because God, I feel a bit teary because I'm now talking about my own father who is mm. here. Thank you. Um, but there is just so much that they give up for their family in, in the name of love that they give up and sacrifice and don't even realize it's a sacrifice until they have a health scare or uh, until things change and then they reflect on their life mm -hmm. and I don't know if they are regretful because they've achieved so much and that brings them joy, but I think that they become wise and then the wisdom sharing comes about wanting their children to spend more time with family or their children to just do things in balance. And I think that's where the awakening is happening now for all of us is that if we can just find that line of what that balance looks like. Yeah. I am looking at those guitars in your background and with what we spoke off air, that is what I really enjoyed about what you were sharing is that for you to enjoy what you do and get so much out of your work, you also have this balance and you've got your guitar. Speak to us about what you do for mental, for your own yep. personal well-being. Sure. And I just want to finish on that point. Cause I think it was, it was great. Like one of the things that I remember about my father as well um, was that, he had this unbelievably passionate um, um, uh, feeling towards and pride to be an Australian. And the part of the work ethic was the contribution um, aspect to like, this country took me in and there's no corruption and I can actually start on a, in a, you know, on a tramways and, you know, learn English by reading the Bible and then get myself moving up into an academic career. Like I have that pathway. I can do that. Right. And, you know, his contribution and his work ethic and how I suppose addicted he was to his work was partly because of his love for Australia. He used to say, I'll, I'll put a flag of Australia in my, <laughs> in my, um, in my, in my backyard. And I said, dad, please don't do that. Don't do that. That's what Americans do. Don't do that. Um, uh, <laughs> I love Americans, but please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> Joseph, what, what was your dad's name? Let's honor him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, his name was a, um, a challenging one because people would call him very, very much different variations of it, but Magdy, M-A-G-D-Y. I just want to honor him right now because he's obviously been a major presence in your life um, mm. and even his essence is around you. So let's talk about him for a moment. How yeah. old was he when he migrated to Australia? Oh, wow. Now you're going to give me timelines. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Just an age. Was, Even just an age. Yeah, yeah. I think he was in his early 30s, late 20s, roughly around that sort of wow. mark. Yeah. Yeah, and yes. then moved into academia here in Australia? Yeah, so he actually was, um, he actually started, uh, as I said, just straight away on the, on the tramways, um, just, just as a, one of those ticket collector type guys. Um, and he loved that because he got a chance to be able to engage with people and talk and interact and stuff. Um, but he had an accounting degree back home. Um, and you know, he ended up just being, well, he started in teaching. He loved the teaching, teaching, accounting, stuff like that. So once he learned his English, then from there, he moved to like being actually, um, you know, doing more studies. He's had a couple of masters in the ends. He was working on his PhD while he was kind of sick. Um, his whole wall was full of degrees and so on diploma of education and, you know, just a masters of accounting master of fine, you know, just 
and and like I can't keep up, so I don't even bother. Um, but he, he we we called it the wall of shame because when we'd look at it, we would like be like, oh, how, you're all being embarrassed. Yeah, we'd be embarrassed, but because <laughs> you uh, have achieved it. No, no, that's all right. So you know, like I can do my paltry undergraduate degree and like, and a few postgraduate, um, you know, studies, but but I made a conscious choice. I don't think I want to even chase that. Um, that at this point, anyway, I'm still got some time, but um, yeah, so. He, he uh, ended up moving through university teaching financial planning when it became, you know, more popular here and um, one of the first teachers to do it. And I went through the degree with him, actually. So I actually <laughs> learned from him. Um, and so did James um, and a lot of other students. So people who are listening in who are in financial planning, you know, may, may actually know of him. So he became... He became very passionate about it and, and um, that, that was a big major um, thing for him. What do you think his words of wisdom would be to you and to any of our listeners? I have one thing that came, I have two things actually. One of the things that I remember him saying to me is the secret to your success, Joe, will be in the books. And I thought it was a bit of an odd thing to say to me at the time because I really didn't get it. I mean, what do you mean the books? And I kind of like think he meant now the more I think about it is just education like like you're you know just being aware and learning and growing and and mm. I think that was a that was a major one for me I always think about that but then the other one I remember that I was at um in London once um when I was young doing my you know my nine months overseas and I went and sent him an email saying I'm feeling a bit tragic here I'm living in a youth hostel and I'm overlooking a cemetery um and I'm feeling a bit grim um, and I'm not enjoying myself here. I don't like, I deliberately, you know, came here, here with nothing so I could see how I work and I don't have a lot of money and I'm kind of struggling. Um, and he goes, Joe, I've reflected upon your situation. He took me seriously and I don't think he should have because there's a lot worse situations than mine. But anyway, he said to me, I've thought about your situation and I reflect on my times in Egypt and I'm like, oh no, he's reflecting on his times in Egypt. And I'm just talking about a hostel in London. What's the big deal, right? He goes, the way that I see it is, for me, the worse it got for me, the better it got. And I'm like, what does that kind of mean? That's what, like at the time, I'm like, I didn't really regard it. I actually read back his email afterwards and I'd just gone through COVID and, you know, I actually had gone going through a divorce during COVID as well, which was really super challenging for me as well. And I thought about it and I thought, I exactly know what you mean. It's like COVID is unbelievably excruciatingly difficult for so many different reasons for me. And at the same time, there's this feeling that it's going to be all right. It's going to be good. It's going to be great because there's going to be some, some real like things that I'm going to learn from this. And it's been true. It's kind of been in a way, one of the best years of my life. And like, not, not again, like notwithstanding that for a lot of people, it's been super, super challenging and we got people with various circumstances, but for me personally, um, unbelievable, unbelievable year. And it's amazing that when we're in a situation that seems like it's like so full on and getting so bad, it's actually, you know, it's a part of that process that all of the fears in a way or all of that negative stuff has to be presented and be on the table so that you can then go, oh wow, it's out. Okay, what's next? I really am loving what you're sharing with about your dad and, and the passion. There's like this, this line that's coming through from him, through you, 
I don't know your brother, but I'm sure it's through your brother too. Yeah. And, and let's not forget your mum in all of this. Of course. <laughs> And then my youngest brother too. My youngest brother too. We were, we've all, know, we've yeah. all got the bar. The, yeah. the yeah. whole family. The whole all, family, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. then then gifting this um, through the work that you do just mm. gives it so much integrity mm. for an industry that, as you were saying, T, can sometimes be looked at fairly starkly. Mm. Um, I know I've been in that position before where mm. I just don't understand it. So therefore there's like a you know, but to bring the heart and the history that you do into what you give your clients is amazing. You were just sort of sharing that, you know, COVID and, and 2020 has been um, a trying time for many reasons. Mm. The space that you're now moving into mm. as well, share with us your, your next chapter. Okay, so uh, I suppose uh, what's in my mind when we talk about next chapter is um, my music is like a massive part of um, and has been like a, you know, I don't want to use the word journey. I'm really looking for different words than journey because it seems to be everything, the word that everyone uses at the moment, <laughs> but, but it kind of feels that way. <laughs> um, but yes, I my musical journey um, is has, you know, probably... Has, music has always been in me. Um, I've always felt it. Um, it's always been a deep programming. Yeah, and I've always felt it and I've always loved it. And from a young age, I've, um, you know, been rhythmical and um, I've always loved listening to music. And so, you know, about five or six years ago, I picked up an acoustic guitar and just started YouTubing. And then I started moving to like three from two to three teachers a week. Like, you know, I was going, I just went really kind of any hour that I would have, you know, I'd just play. And I started singing, got vocal coaches as well. And then, you know, from there I started like songwriting. And what I felt was that all of the creative parts of me were actually coming out um, during the most, um, so if we cast our minds to um, the, the boredom that is associated with being in lockdown, the feeling that we need to do something, um, that we need to be on our phones, that we need to distract ourselves, all of that. I used a lot of that time to focus on music and dig real deep. So write lyrics, learn Ableton production software, um, you know, really dig deep into how like creatively and energetically I felt the more bored I was, the better the music was coming out of me. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny, actually, there's this kind of, um, and I think John Cleese writes about it. I haven't, actually haven't read his book yet, but I'm really interested in reading the John Cleese book, which is all about creativity. But he talks at one stage, I think I might've listened to him somewhere where he talks about the boredom is the, 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 the pits of boredom is where creativity is born. And um, I completely resonate with that. I don't think we allow ourselves to sit and just kind of feel the kind of, nothingness that occurs at times and 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 um we're looking for constant distractions and that you know that our phone is number one and i'm definitely still probably working on that i've got a case safe here at the moment um to put my phone away and lock it away when you know i need to do something so yeah but music is a massive part of the next chapter for me um i do it with every you know hour that i can outside of outside of working hours my business is super important to me and um, my clients are super important to me. So um, evolving our offering and being better at what we do 
um, and being clearer about how we work and who we work with is really, really super important. Um, and the podcast. Now, the podcast is the most cool thing because if you think about me saying worlds colliding, right? So I'm thinking to myself, what do I love most about business? What do I love most about what I do in, in financial planning? And it's like the conversations that I have with my clients. Okay, cool. What do I love about music? Well, I love learning about new softwares, like editing softwares that I can use, effects, um, all these types of things. How can I create something that merges both worlds? So during COVID, I was like, why don't I create a podcast? I know how to edit. I know how to use post-production software. I also, I'm going to have conversations with people where I'm speaking much less. I, I do let people speak, believe it or not, on the other, on, on my podcast, I do. Um, and um, why don't I do that? And then that will be great because it'll serve a number of purposes, right? So number one, it'll give back to the business owner community or anyone who wants to know what wealth management and, you know, what the, you know, what people think about success, you know, and, and, and what, what money is all about, right? If they want to know about these things and these concepts and these themes, they'll get onto the pod and they'll get that. And that's a great thing, right? So I'm giving back. It's also... Um, they get to know me. And so, you know, they know that I'm working within a certain business as well, financial planning business, and that's fine. So if they want to make contact, they can. Um, and I get to be creative. It's like worlds colliding, win, win, win. It's super exciting. I'm super passionate about it. It's like, why wouldn't you? It's never about money. That's the podcast name. Every time I, uh, you know, talk to someone about it, it, there's always some sort of like, and I never intended this, but they usually go to a point in their lives where they kind of end up saying the same thing. It really wasn't about the money. It was about this or it was about that. In this podcast, is there a common theme that you have found your business owners speak about? Any business owner that had a very successful period of time, it usually um, sort of was after or post a very challenging, um, very, um, maybe, maybe traumatic time where they felt they had lost their way or they felt that they were focusing on the wrong things or they went away from what they truly were. And then they go through this particular kind of, I need to go down and work myself out here because I'm not being good in my relationships. I'm not being good to maybe with my staff. I'm not being good with myself. I'm not healthy. I'm whatever it is. Mm. They go away. They self-reflect. They're aware enough to realize something's wrong. And then they make these changes. Um, and they come back and then all of a sudden, you know, the rubber hits the road and they start really going for it. And they're, they're, they're you know, so there, there is that theme, that theme that, um, there's a correction at some time with these successful people where they are self-aware enough to know that they should be genuine to themselves, be honoring who they are. Um, and then knowing what they're doing, why they're doing it and, and, and then accelerating forward. But usually they take a step off the gas, explore that and then go again. That's what I'm hearing a lot of with a lot of them, I guess. With your financial planning business, mm. do you, 
I, we were talking sort of off air before that mm. you've got your your clientele, mm -hmm. but you really sound like you you fully nurture through a lot of their steps. Mm. If people are wanting advice, if mm. they sort of want a bit of a, a chat, a check-in, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. they're wanting to reach out and you've resonated with them, mm -hmm. um, how can they do that? Sure. So I think, I think the point would be that, you know, James and I are really keen on helping people um, move forward with their financial, um, you know, situations. We can't, as a business, given we are a smaller boutique business, we we will work with a handful of, you know, so, you know, select clients that we, we can actually add value to. Um, and importantly, we felt that like Jack of all trades kind of master of none. So you can't just like financial planning so broad as it is, you can't kind of look after the whole spectrum. So what we did was we, we've got our website there. Um, on our website, there's the ability to be able to book a 15 minute phone conversation with me. And the good thing about that is I will be able to have a chat to you um, and determine what you need. Um, and if I feel like I can't assist um, because I can't add the value that you need, then I'll actually recommend uh, another, potentially another advisor. Um, I, I, or, you know, you, we, we might be able to make it work and there might be a mutual fit there and that would be good. But there's also just outside of, you know, my business, there's also a few resources. Um, there's the profession of independent financial advisors um, which PIFA, um, which actually has a list of all the independent advisors. And there's not that many, believe it or not, in Australia, let alone in Melbourne. Um, so if you look up that, that's the best of breed in terms of those advisors that have truly stamped themselves as being non-aligned um, to, you know, institutions or, you know, all advisors not taking any commissions from insurances or anything else. So it is, um, that is a really good resource. And then there's the Financial Planning Association, which is broader. So there's a broader net of financial advisors in there. Um, but, you know, you do have um, a, a good starting point of being able to, you know, look for an advisor that's suitable to you because some advisors are really good at kind of aged care, maybe more sort of um, Centrelink related issues. Some are really good at, you know, young client issues like buying a first home, um, those things. And some are better in the retiree space. Some are better in a high, high net worth, more complex situations. So there's a whole gamut of different advisors. And my suggestion to you, actually, I'll give you a suggestion. The suggestion should be in <laughs> on the, it's never about money website. I have a special report called leading a family, leaving a legacy. And that leading a family, leaving a legacy report actually has pretty much what I've said, but a whole bunch of other things around what you should think about in mapping your journey and looking for, I said journey again, and then looking, looking for um, how you assemble a team of professionals around you as an example, like, you know, what you look for in a, in a good financial advisor, what sort of things. So all of that is actually in that. So it's www.itsneveraboutmoney.com.au. I love how you speak about that because often um, we can get caught up and most people are aiming to leave a legacy, but can often be overwhelmed with just so much. So it seems like this is a really lovely streamlined approach to, to having a team. 
um, behind you on that. Um, and for any of our listeners who are after more information on what financial planning is, the different services that financial planners provide, Joe has just listed um, a great resources as well as his own website. So I think, you know, we've just touched on so many aspects. It's been an absolute delight having you on board. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, it's a delight, you know, um, having a chat to you both. I'm really, um, I'm really encouraged by these types of podcasts and your podcast specifically. I mean, anything that, like I told you at the start, anything relating to well-being and improvement and, um, um, you know, giving people um, a sense of um, direction um, is, is, is 100% um, in my wheelhouse. And um, I appreciate that I'm the first kind of financy type person <laughs> on the pod. Thanks for having me. For those who want a little extra insight into behind the scenes, here you can find it. We hope you enjoy. Sorry, so we're just gonna interrupt there because Tina, we're both. We got the music in me. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely in there. It's definitely in there.